Hello, I'm Clive Nash. Welcome to Let God Speak. It is a sad fact of life that there are many disadvantaged people in our world today. Think of children who have lost fathers through war, refugees who have fled famine or conflict, the poor and the homeless. Does the Bible speak to these situations? Did Jesus counsel his followers to act from a loving heart? Stay with us as we open the Bible and discuss this important topic. On our panel today, we have Hannah Nakagawa. Welcome, Hannah, and Uriah Sanjist. Good to have you both with us. Uh, Before we begin our discussion today of this important topic, let's take time to pray. Our loving Father in heaven, we just want to thank you for the inspiration that we gain for every situation in life as we read your word, the Bible. And we pray that as we open it today, that both us here and our listeners and viewers will be blessed. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Uh, the, Bible, the Bible often talked about the stranger or the alien. Uh, Hannah, is there a modern equivalent to these words? Sure. Let's um, begin, uh, open up the Bible, Exodus chapter 22, and we will read verse 21. The Bible says, You shall neither mistreat a stranger nor oppress him, for you are strangers in the land of Egypt. Here. So here, um, God commanded the Hebrews coming up out of Egyptian slavery, um, not to oppress strangers or aliens. So they were to remember that they had been also stranger in the in the in that um, yeah foreign land as well. So, but it thought that the, this attitude um, was unique to the Hebrew. Um, the SDA Bible commentary says this. It is unlikely that such a provision was ever made in laws of other ancient countries. So to answer your questions, um, modern equivalents to the biblical stranger or alien would be refugees. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, and Uriah, what about the fatherless? Who would they be in our society today? Well, there are many that are are fatherless uh, today among us and for various reasons. Uh, we have those who are fatherless uh, through wars, for example, around the world uh, today. Those who may become fatherless through abandonment, for example, or through accidental death, mm-hmm. and for many other reasons. Uh, but if we look at Exodus chapter 22 and verse 22, the Bible says, you shall not afflict any widow or fatherless child. And the word fatherless occurs 40 times in the New King James Version of the Bible. And uh, loving widows and the fatherless is very important to God as we see in the Bible. And failing to do so, failing to do what is good uh, is to do evil. Mm. Let's see what uh, James says in James chapter 1 and verse 27. James chapter 1 and 
verse 27. Yeah, and this is, again, is another important text, isn't it? Mm. Yes, it says, pure and undefiled religion before God and the Father is, to, is this, to visit orphans and widows in their trouble and to keep oneself unspotted from the world. Yeah. So visiting, it's a very practical thing. It's not just uh, visiting, but being present and assessing the needs and addressing them as well. Yeah, mm. So it's not just going saying, hello. That's right. <laughs> How are you? That's right. You know, it's yeah. doing something about it. Yes, yeah, doing yeah. something very practical. Mm. So uh, Hannah, is, is caring for the poor uh, an optional thing for Christians? Optional? Well, yeah. I would say no, <laughs> because um, we are stewards of all that God has um, entrusted uh, to us. And because Jesus has um, given us an example of caring, um, let's read Matthew chapter 11 and verse 5. The Bible says, The blind see and the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed and the deaf hear. The dead are raised up and the poor have the gospel preached to them. Mm-hmm. So this is what um, Jesus has done. And we will want to be like Jesus because um, if we open Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1 and 2, we will, um, we will see what it says. Okay, so you're saying that the poor have the gospel preached and the spiritual needs yes. of, of the poor people were being yeah. considered, weren't they? Mm-hmm. Hmm. So Ephesians chapter 5, and we will read verse um, 1 and 2. The Bible says, Therefore be imitators of God as dear children, and walk in love, as Christ also hath loved us and given himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. So we want to be the imitator of Jesus. Mm. Yeah. Nicely put, uh, Hannah. Uriah, this, um, the view of the, of the rich and the poor, what was the common idea in Jesus' day? Well, in, in Jesus' time, there was the idea that if one was uh, rich, uh, it means that they were blessed, and if they were poor, uh, it meant that they were cursed. And this comes from Deuteronomy 28. And likewise, also, if one was sick, it was considered that um, it must be something wrong that they have done that brought the sickness upon themselves. And there's an interesting incident in John chapter 9, verse 1 to 3. Uh, The Bible says here, now, as Jesus passed by, he saw a man who was blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, saying, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents? that he was born blind. Yeah, so someone was to blame for it. There must mm. have been yeah. some kind of sin mm. uh, that caused the blindness. That's what they thought. But verse 3 says, Jesus answered, Neither this man nor his parents sinned, but that the works of God should be revealed in him. So we can see here that uh, it, it really, Jesus was making it clear that not all sickness is the fault or the cause of the person who is sick. Uh, it was the soul for God's glory. And um, it is important for us to, to understand that uh, the poor that we have among us today, we should not always view them as being in the situation that they are because they have brought it upon themselves. There are many poor uh, among us um, in our various cities and wherever we may live, and we may be tempted to think that it is, they've brought it upon themselves. Mm. Um, but imagine if God had to 
treat us that way, mm. that our sinful condition, he says that we've brought it upon ourselves and he, he ignores us. That would be a dreadful and awful thing. Mm. Mm. Yeah. I'd like us just to turn our, our thoughts for a moment to uh, Jesus in his early part of his ministry. He goes back to his hometown of, of Nazareth and uh, he's handled the handed the uh, the scroll of the book of Isaiah, you know, because he used to have these scrolls that you unroll in those days. And uh, he he turned to a particular passage, and would its reading uh, Uriah uh, and its application to Jesus have come as a surprise to the people who were listening? Well, I think you're referring to um, Luke chapter four, and this this incident happened quite early in Jesus's ministry. And there are some very beautiful things happening in this story. Let's read Luke chapter four and um, verse uh, 16. It says, so he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. And um, we see here that it was a custom or a habit for Jesus to go to the synagogue to worship on the Sabbath or the Saturday, the seventh day, which is a custom that is still practiced by Jews observing the Sabbath Saturday um, today. Um, and if we read verse 17, it says, and he was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written. So we see that Jesus intentionally went to Isaiah chapter 61, mm. verse 1 and 2. Uh, this verse, these verses were important to him. And this is what he read, verse 18 and 19. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. And um, Jesus was actually declaring that this prophecy in Isaiah 61 pointed to him and he declared that it was fulfilled in him. And that did bring some shock to his audience. <laughs> yes, yes. When he said to them, uh, today the scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. That's right. Mm. Yes. So, uh, so what elements, Hannah, was Jesus emphasizing here? Yes. Well, um, the quotes that the verse that um, Raya just read, it was from Isaiah 61, 1 and 2. But actually, Jesus was not focusing focusing on the day of vengeance of our God. He kind of stopped reading before that. And his focus was the spiritual and healing ministry to the poor and brokenhearted and um, those people who are captive as well, um, those who are in chain, whatever the bonds are. And, you know, Jews that time generally was thinking that like Messiah will be the um, yeah, Messiah will um, make them free from this Roman rule um, and set them like uh, set them like a set up earthly kingdoms. But actually what Jesus was done was that they needed to understand that um, the kingdom of um, God is actually more than the grace that's um, the earthly kingdom. It's with the kingdom of glory as well. Hmm. 
So, uh, you know, there were misunderstandings about the, the ministry of Jesus and yeah. what this Messiah figure was going to mm. do or they expected of him. Um, and even John the Baptist, you know, who uh, so dogmatically proclaimed that Jesus was the Lamb of God, yeah. uh, he even had questions about Jesus' ministry. Notice with me uh, Matthew chapter 11, Matthew 11 and verses 2 and 3. Uh, and you can understand, you know, John the Baptist is, could be discouraged. He's in prison. Mm. When John heard in, in prison about the works of Christ, he sent two of his disciples and Matthew 11 verse 3 says, and said to him, are you the coming one or do we look for another? So what, um, Uriah, what emphasis did Jesus put in his reply to this question? Very important question. Are you the coming one? Are you the Messiah? the Messiah who would do all these great things. And this is the answer Jesus uh, gave uh, the disciples to take back to John the Baptist. And we read uh, Matthew chapter 11, verse four and five. Jesus answered and said to them, go and tell John the things which you hear and see. The blind see and the lame walk, lepers are cleansed and the deaf hear. The dead are raised up and the poor have the gospel preached to them. So here we can see Jesus' emphasis in his ministry is ministering to those who are downtrodden, those who are sick, and um, those who are poor. Mm. And James, again, as we read before, says this is the essence of the church. This is the essence of ministry in James chapter 1, verse 27. Pure and undefiled religion before God and the Father is this to visit orphans and widows in their trouble and to keep oneself unspotted from the world. And Jesus did this. Listen to this quote um, from Ellen White in Ministry of Healing, page 205. She says, by our love and service for his needy children, we prove the genuineness of our love for him. To neglect them is to declare ourselves false prophets sorry, false disciples, strangers to Christ and his love. So Jesus, uh, uh, Ellen White here, declares that the needy are God's children. Mm. Mm. I'd like to go back to a passage in the Old Testament and the writings of Moses in uh, Exodus chapter 23. And first of all, verse six, which says, you shall not pervert the judgment of your poor in his dispute. And then it goes on to say in verse eight, and you shall take no bribe, for a bribe blinds the discerning and perverts the words of the righteous. The, the law is given to Moses actually singled out here the, the poor and the strangers. Um, were there any practical measures that uh, Moses outlined, Hannah? Yes, definitely. The food security has always, um, yeah, always been basic. Uh, let's read Exodus chapter 20, um, 23. Verse 10 to 11, it says, Six years you shall sow your land and gather in its produce. But the seventh year you shall let it rest and lie fallow, that the poor of your people may eat, and what they leave, that beasts of the field may eat. In like manner you shall do with your vineyard and your olive grove. Um, so think about Ruth gleaning at the harvest time. And let's read uh, Leviticus as well. Leviticus chapter 19 and verse 9. 
It says, When you reap the harvest of your land, you shall not wholly reap the concerns, um, uh, sorry, corners of your field, nor shall you gather the gleaning of your harvest. So there was always like a, some left over, so to say. Mm. Yeah. So yeah, here um, Boaz was actually obedient to this command. That's why uh, she was able to glean there. Mm. Okay, and provision for gleaners and, and resting the land uh, for the poor and beasts were, were the practical measures. Yes. Um, Mirai, what principle do you see underlying these, these actions? Well, if we read uh, Deuteronomy chapter 15 and verse 11, there's a stark proclamation that's made here. Deuteronomy chapter 15 verse 11 says, For the poor will never cease from the land. Therefore, I command you, saying, you shall open your hand wide to your brother, to your poor and your needy in the land. Mm. So it is a sad, sad fact that in this, in this world of sin, there will always be poor among us. And God is calling on us here to be very generous to the, towards the poor and the needy. Mm. So Hannah, should I be uh, generous to the poor so that I can uh, earn the favor of God? <laughs> Uh, not to, fa uh, to earn the favor of God, no, but God does say that it would be, um, it would definitely be a blessing nevertheless. So let's read um, Psalm chapter 41 and I'll read verse 1 and 2. The Bible said, Blessed is the he who considers the poor. The Lord will deliver him in time of trouble. Verse two, the Lord will perverse him and keep him alive and he will be blessed on the earth. You will not deliver him to the will of his enemies. So it's a, uh, the Bible is very clear. Blessed is he who. Um, this is true for the um, yeah, common person as well as the ruler. Um, let's read Proverbs chapter 29 and verse 14 as well. <clears throat> The Bible says, the king who judges the poor with truth, his throne will be established forever. So again and again, not only common people, but also the um, king rulers. Um, it is for the Bible is clear that they are um, going to be blessed as well. Um, Whereas evolution would have us uh, believe that, you know, fittest um, will survive but actually Christianity moves us to compassion for the weak, for the sick and outcasts and needy as well. Um, commenting on value on the one soul, um, Jarrod Stuckroth writes this, it is not enough to affirm this value. We must actively enact it by ministering to others. And Ellen White has this beautiful comment as well. She said, the soul is of infinite value. Its worth can be estimated only by the price paid to ransom it. Calvary will explain the true value of the soul. This is such a beautiful quote. Mm -hmm. The value, we struggle thinking about what's our value, but the, our value is the price of the Calvary, his mm. death, his sacrifice. Yeah, there's an interesting story in Matthew 19, um, Uriah and, and Hannah. 
uh, where a rich young ruler came to Jesus and wanted to know what, what thing he could do to enter eternal life. And, uh, and Jesus said to him in verse 21, if you want to be perfect, go sell what you have and give to the poor mm. and you'll have treasure in heaven and come follow me. Uh, how, how did he respond, Uriah? Well, sadly, we read in uh, verse 22, uh, it says, but when the young man heard that saying, he went away sorrowful for he had great possessions. And we can see here, unfortunately for him, he made his possessions his God. Uh, he could not give up uh, his money and his possessions to follow Jesus. George Knight, in his book, Sin and Salvation, page 18, writes this, Calling to an end to selfish and self-centered living, Jesus emphasized total dedication to God. Such a concept was too much for the young man. Mm. Mm. So even the disciples themselves had some learning to do. Uh, for we read in verse 27 of Matthew chapter 19, then Peter answered and said to him, see, we have left all and followed you. Therefore, what shall we have? Again, it seems like he was suggesting he was concerned about um, his possessions. But Jesus promised them that their reward would be in heaven. Mm. There's another rich man story in the New Testament, Hannah, and that's about uh, Zacchaeus. What do we know about him? <laughs> sure. Uh, let's, re uh, let's read chapter, uh, Luke chapter 19 and verse 1 and 2. The Bible says, Then Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. Now behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus who was a chief tax collector, and he was rich. Mm -hmm. So we know that he was chief tax collector, and he was very rich mm -hmm. as well. And I, I, I know that at that time, the tax collector was a bit hated by people <laughs> as well. Um, they were seen as a sinner. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, um, Jesus was accused because he was eating and dining um, with, with them. Um, but when Jesus said he was going to dine at home of Zacchaeus, notice that um, evaluation of the crowd. Let's read um, verse 7. It says, but when they saw it, they all complained, saying, he has gone to be a guest with a man who is a sinner. So that was their re reaction when they saw Jesus dining with him. Mm. So you're right. Is there a similarity between these two stories, the rich young ruler and, and Zacchaeus? There, there are similarities. Uh, they both were rich and they both had an encounter with Jesus. Yes. But there is a difference. Mm. Uh, if we read um, Luke chapter 19, verse 8 and 10, it says, Then Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, I give half of my goods to the poor. And if I have taken anything from anyone by false accusation, I restore fourfold. So, whereas the rich young the, um, uh, the rich young ruler uh, kept what he had, and apparently he was lost, Zacchaeus uh, was saved, and then he gave uh, what he had. He restored what he had uh, taken. And uh, one classic commentator uh, by the name of Charles Ellicott writes, the law required in cases of voluntary restitution, the addition of one fifth of the value to, of the thing restored. 
And here we see Zacchaeus going beyond this, restoring fourfold. Uh, and so a generous heart does not restrict itself to the minimal requirement, but goes beyond what is required. Mm. Yeah, it's interesting when you uh, think back to Job, for example, in the Old Testament, Job 1 verse 8, the Lord said to Satan, have you considered my servant Job, that there is none like him on the earth, a blameless and upright man, one who fears God and shuns evil? Um, Hannah, after all the suffering that Job endured, um, how did he recall his dealings with yes. the poor? Yeah. Um, Job chapter 29, verse 12 to 16, it says, Because I delivered the poor who cried out, the fatherless and the one who had no helper. The blessing of the uh, perishing man came upon me, and I caused the widow's heart to sing for joy. I put on righteousness, and it clothed me. My justice was like a robe and a turban. I was eyes to the blind. Um, and I was feet to the lame. I was a father to the poor, and I searched out the cause that I did not know. So here, Job uh, became rich. He had money. He was wealthy, but he used this health, uh, his wealth to benefit the underprivileged. Um, notice verse um, 16. Um, he said that I was a father to the poor um, and I searched out the cause that I did not know. So he even went out and find those people as well. Mm. Yeah, uh, it's interesting that in, uh, later on in Isaiah, uh, Isaiah chapter 58 and verse 4, I read it, Indeed, you fast, here's a criticism of God of his people, you fast for strife and debate and to strike with the fist of wickedness. Um, so God condemned formal empty acts of, of religious worship, Uriah, but uh, it was all a sham. What would God really want from his people? In verse uh, 6 and 7 of Isaiah uh, 58, he says, Is not this the fast that I have chosen? To loose the bonds of wickedness, to undo the heavy burdens, to let the oppressed go free, and that you break every yoke, is not to share your bread with the hungry, and that you bring to your house the poor who are cast out. When you see the naked, that you cover him and not hide yourself from your own flesh. So God is very concerned about social justice. Mm. Yeah. And, and Hannah, it's, it's about copying the heart of Jesus, isn't it really? Yes, that's right. Be an imitator of God and copying his example. Yeah. Yes. Well, my guests today on the panel were uh, Hannah Nakagawa. Thank you, Hannah. And Iraha Saint-Gist. Good to have you with us discussing our topic today. A very important and practical topic, wouldn't you agree? Yes. Very much yeah. so. You know, when Jesus said, the poor you have with you always, but me you do not have always, he was not saying that we should neglect the needs of the poor and other disadvantaged people groups. In fact, the Saviour's golden rule was, whatever you want men to do to you, do also to them. Mm. Or as Peterson paraphrases it, here is a simple rule of thumb guide for behavior. Ask yourself what you want people to do for you, then grab the initiative and do it for them. Well, it's our prayer here at 3ABN that you will be moved to reach out with a heart of love to a world in need. Let God speak to you today through his spirit. Well, we're glad you joined us today on Let God Speak 
Remember, all past programs plus teachers' notes are available on our website 3abnaustralia.org.au or you can email us if you wish on lgs at 3abnaustralia.org.au We hope that you'll join us again next time, but until then, may God bless. You have been listening to Let God Speak, a production of 3ABN Australia Television. To catch up on past programs, please visit 3abnaustralia.org.au. Call us in Australia on 02 4973 3456 or email radio at 3abnaustralia.org.au. We'd love to hear from you.